Foodie Studio in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It's the Not a Foodie Show on 6:20 a.m. Radio Rampa. I am your co-host Tom Mialli, and with me, as always, is it's me. It's Mike Miranti. Mike, what's going on, Mike? I'm very exhausted. <laughs> you keep you, you you've said that two or three episodes that you're very exhausted. Yes. You got to get up. You got to get. You know, no, this is a radio it, show. It's, not... it's Saturday. We get ready to party. Get ready to talk about food. Yeah. No, it's not that. Oh, okay. It, um, um, you know how I said I was never going to open another restaurant? <laughs> yes, I have it on tape, and our listeners know that you have never, that you said you've never going to open up another restaurant. I'm in the middle of a restaurant opening. I know, I know. Well, your tiredness makes for great radio content because you started talking about opening up a new restaurant. Um, I started telling you about what I made for dinner uh, a couple nights ago, and we said, well, let's do a whole episode on... Italian food. So talk a little bit about the restaurant that you're opening. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much I can or can't say at mm-hmm. this point because uh, they've been pretty tight with it being under wraps. Um, right. But it is a Italian concept mm-hmm. by a very big, big name restaurant group in Manhattan that's been doing it for years, two, two decades. decades. Yeah. Um, partnered with the biggest hotel chain in the world. It's um, it, I, I this has been all over the food news media, and we're not going to mention any names, but uh, you might be able to guess if you follow. Yeah, you know, if you if you just take anything media. I've said and like done a quick Google search, you'll f- <laughs> yeah. find it. So Mike is help, uh, helping to open this restaurant, which is an Italian concept. Um, and I uh, last weekend just because I felt like it, I made uh, some pasta carbonara. Um, and as I do, I made it fresh and you know did the whole the whole thing. So Mike and I were talking, and we were like, well, let's just forget about our opening segment where we usually talk about the news and stuff like that. Let's just dive in and do a Italian episode at a restaurant or, or a, uh, an episode that's about Italian food, specifically pasta. So we've done a pasta episode before on the podcast, but this is different because this is strictly Roman pasta. Yeah. We're going to talk about Roman pastas today. We're going to talk about the, um, the Roman sauces. We're going to talk about Italian wines. Mike has been, if anyone follows Mike on Instagram, uh, you'll see that Mike is, studying like you would not believe Italian wines, just regions and everything like that. So there are 20 regions. (laughs) 20 regions of Italy? Of Italy. Yes. And there's like 2,000 grapes. (laughs) <laughs> so we're going to get more into that in one I'm of our segments. Name all two thousand. Yes, of them. that's going to be one our, one. our third segment, if you want to tune out, is just going to be Emilio Romano, and just just uh, just droning on. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk in this segment. We're going to talk about fresh pasta, making fresh pasta, and how easy it is, and how you should not be intimidated by making fresh pasta, and how it's a thousand times better than anything you're going to buy in the store. In the next segment, we'll talk about. Uh, all four pastas, all, all four sauces, all four sauces. So- there's four, 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 four Roman classic Roman sauces. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the next episode or the, the next segment after that, we're going to talk about Italian wines. We've also got a guest coming in today. 
who uh, is going to talk about she, not Italian food specifically, but she's got a new cookbook coming out. There's probably an Italian recipe. Yeah, I'm sure there is. So there's a lot coming up on the show, but let's really get into fresh pasta. Yeah. Like right now. Instead of going into news like we usually do, let's talk about fresh pasta. Okay. So there's only one word that matters with uh, fresh pasta. Okay. What's that? Ratio. Yes. Anyone who knows me and has listened to the podcast knows that I'm a big fan of the food writer Michael Ruhlman. And he, he put out this book years ago called Ratio, where he talks about how cooking is basically just mastering a few ratios or just knowing what ratios are. So the ratio, for example, for fresh pasta is three parts flour, two parts egg. And once you know that ratio, you can tweak it however you want with flavors. You could add squid ink to it to make a black pasta. You can add... So it's really you know, three parts dry, two parts wet. Uh, you do want to have the egg in there. Well, yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Unless you're going to do... Yeah, but if you're going to put pasta, a little, but... if you're going to put a little squid ink in there, you want to, you know, maybe take back some of the moisture and you know, mm-hmm. and account for that. But the way that I usually do it for pasta dough is, like I said, three parts flour, two parts egg. I usually get one egg per person. Who so if I'm you know having dinner for four people and I want to make fresh pasta for four people, I'll get four eggs. I crack the eggs. I weigh the eggs. Eggs are this weird sort of nature's miracle that each egg is always around 50 grams. Uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty weird that, that it works out that way. I wonder but how much are, of it's nature and how much of it's modern uh, I don't know. farming. I don't know, but 50 grams is usually what it is. But what I measure anyway. So I'll, I'll crack four eggs, put them in a bowl. Um, I'll take the weight in grams. And then because we're doing a three parts flour to two parts egg, Usually what I'll do is I'll multiply whatever my weight of the eggs are by one and a half. So that'll give you three part, and then take that and that, that's your flour. So if you've got 100 grams of eggs, you've got 150 grams of flour. Mix them together. You got your pasta dough. Wait, right before there. you mix it, what are you doing? Before you mix it, <laughs> for the Instagram, you take a pile of flour, put a little bowl in the middle, make a little bowl with your fingers in the middle of the flour, the mound of flour, crack the eggs, and then take a picture from up top. And Mike, what filter do you use? Uh, it's not the filter. It's the... Um, Vignette. You use no, the... it's the... Where only the circle is yeah. in it and everything else to the side. I mean, I use vignette because like the circle is nice and light in the middle and everything yeah, else on the side okay, is like yeah. sort of out. But I think you're talking about tilt shift. No, no, I'm talking you're about... Ta- yeah. Vignette, yeah. So... You do that. You take your photo, and then you, then you mix it. Then you start mixing up your eggs. You start mixing your eggs. Really, you know, whisk them up. Incorporate flour into it. Eventually, you'll have this ball of like uh, really not well together dough. You, you're gonna have to knead it a little bit, but it's this ball of flaky dough, and you just mix it and knead it until it's a smooth ball. And now you've got a a ball of fresh pasta dough, and I will let it sit. For like a half hour, I'll wrap it up in some cellophane. I'll let it sit for a half hour, and then I will uh, run it through my pasta machine. I've got a pasta roller that's a just a KitchenAid attachment. But you don't even need that. You don't even need to do that. You can just roll out the pasta on a regular cutting board with a rolling pin. Roll it out so that it's thin enough where you can, if you pick it up, you can see the silhouette of your hand through the pasta dough. And that's the right consistency. That's the right thickness. And then you put some flour on it and cut it into strips. And there you go. Now you've got parpadel. Like you've got a great pasta that's homemade, that's hearty, that has a nice bite to it. And, and that's it. It's really simple. Have you ever made fresh pasta? 
So I don't have room to uh-huh. make um, fresh pasta in my tiny Manhattan apartment. Yes. But I have a pasta extruder uh, for the home. Yes. So, Which is sacrilege to me, but okay. So like restaurants, a lot of restaurants that make fresh pasta that are making it for a million people, mm-hmm. um, they will buy something where you put all the ingredients in and it comes out of a machine and you cut it. Right. So that's what I have for my house. That's what you've got. I have a Phillips pasta extruder. Nice. Well, I, I have I have a pasta extruder attachment for my KitchenAid, so it's not sacrilege, but I do have – I very rarely use it because I just find it's easier to, to roll it out. It's easier to clean up and everything like that. Um, and then after I'm done making the pasta, I – one of the mistakes that people make when they make fresh pasta is they boil it for too long. Uh-uh. Fresh pasta. Two minutes. Two and a half, three minutes. And if you're doing it in a – what, like some of the sauces that we're talking about, you do it for like one minute and then one minute. And then the finish sauce. it in the sauce. Yeah. Um, when you do it, you use AP flour. I try to use like 100% semolina. Nope. I use, I mean, you can, you can get crazy with flour. You can use the, the double zero yeah, flour. The the, yeah. The really fine flour. I use everyday flour. AP flour. Yeah. Just regular yeah, AP. Just you, all purpose. You cannot use e- the self-rising flour. No, 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 because that already you, has yeast. You and stuff cannot in it. use that, but besides that, go any, at it. Any sort of flour. Yeah. And experiment with it. Like add different things to it. You can add beet juice and make red pasta. You can add squid ink and make black pasta. You can add dried herbs. Yeah. You can add dried herbs into the pasta. You can salt it if you want. You can not salt it if you want. And as long as you have that ratio, yeah. That's it. And pasta is not intimidating. Once you do it once or twice and you realize how delicious it is then you're never going to go back to buying the, the dried, boxed, flavorless, textureless pasta. That's for, like, when you have absolutely no time. Yes. Uh, well, so this is, this is a really great episode. We're going to be talking a lot about pasta. Um, coming up in the next segment, we're going to be talking about the classic Roman sauces. Um, we're going to talk about Italian wines. We've got a special guest coming up. This is a great show. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back in a minute. This is the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. See you in a bit. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant-loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we're back. Thanks for tuning in. 6.20 a.m. Radio Rampa. It's the Not A Foodie Show. As always, it's me, Mike. Hey, and I'm Tom. So, Tom, yes. we just talked about making fresh pasta. Yes. And we said we were going to Which talk is about... one of my favorite things to do of all time. Yeah. It's up there, for sure. <laughs> yep. Um, then we said we were going to talk about the Roman sauces. Yeah. And this is, this is really interesting because you... Love them. Uh, you love them. I love them. We all love them. Um... But you approached me a year ago and said, I want to do this flow chart of the Roman sauces. And I didn't understand what you were talking about at first. And then, you know, over the course of doing podcasts and show, radio shows with you, I've come to understand your philosophy of, you know, what the Roman sauces are. And we are going to put together a video. We're going to put together a video that goes through the 
the sort of progression of Roman sauces. So for our audience, what are the four Roman sauces? So cacio e pepe. Uh-huh. Grisia. Pasta alla grisia. Spaghetti carbonara or carbonara. Yep. And amatriciana. Yes. So I, um, I, I've had all of them. <laughs> and you know, I love all of them. I've never had the grisia. Pasta alla grisia? Yeah, never. It's... I mean, it's it's delicious. Why don't you go through it? Like, what is so, well? Let's start at the top. Yeah. So let's start at why are we choosing cacio e pepe first? What's in cacio e pepe? So you need to visualize this as a flowchart. Okay. So the first thing up top start is cacio e pepe. Okay. Cacio e pepe is the simplest sauce. It is Parmigiano Reggiano or Pecorino Romano. I prefer Pecorino or a combination of the two. Or yeah, or a combo of the two, and black pepper. And uh, and so the classic recipes, you only use pasta water, but you should just use a little uh, dab of butter to make it a lot easier on yourself. I mean, cacio e pepe is cheese and pepper. Yeah, right. Like uh, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, and so what are we? What are you doing? You're you're boiling your pasta you're when boiling. the pasta is still warm. Mm-hmm. You're tossing it with a bunch of cheese, a bunch of cheese, and a whole bunch of black pepper. Mm-hmm. Like you a should lot be able of black to pepper. see the the grains of black pepper. Like, yeah. When I was bartending, the best advice I was ever given about making Bloody Mary was you don't stop adding black pepper until you can see it in the red. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder to see black in red than it is to see in white. So you need to, like, as soon as you start seeing it, that's like, okay, cool. Add even more now. Yeah. No, cacio e pepe is, I mean, that's the flavor profile is black pepper. Cacio e pepe was the first thing I ever made for my girlfriend. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that's how I locked it down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there you go. If you're trying to woo a significant other, cacio e pepe is a simple but elegant dish. The second was linguine vangole, which isn't Roman. There you but go. It's very, you, it was your recipe. It's really good. <laughs> so, okay. So we've got cacio e pepe is the top, right? That's yep. that's that's on the top of this flow chart. Now, now what comes next? One arrow down. Yes. Grisia. Pasta alla grisia. So you make a cacio e pepe, uh-huh. but instead of... Dropping the pasta in first, you cube up guanciale and cook it. Does anybody, do you know what guanciale is? Face bacon. Face bacon. It's it's the jowl of a pig. And it is the the best part of the pig, in if, my opinion, in my you, humble opinion. If you cannot get guanciale, because even, it's not even that expensive. It's just like hard to find. Yeah. Uh, well, pan- you've got a giant, you've got a giant hog and, you know, you think of all the meat that comes from it. And then you think of this small little piece of the cheek. That really is the best. I mean, it's got the most porky flavor. It's got this great fat that melts like like easier than butter. The fat melts. It's just, it's incredible. But if you can't get it, you can use pancetta. pancetta. And if you can't get that, you can use bacon. You can use an uncured, unsmoked bacon. Or an unsmoked bacon. Cured but unsmoked. You don't want that smoky flavor. Guanciale mm-hmm. is cured but it does not have that smoky, bacony flavor. So it's not smoked. But try to, I usually use pancetta. I, I use guanciale. <laughs> Tom makes his own. I do make guanciale. I've got pig jowls hanging in my basement right now. <laughs> nice. So, um, so you're adding, so you've got cacio e pepe, and then you're cubing up some guanciale. You're adding it. You're cooking that first. You're letting the you're, fat render. You're rendering out the fat. You're going to take the pasta, toss it in the fat mm-hmm. with the guanciale, and then you're adding the cheese and the black pepper. Then but you're adding the cheese and black pepper. This year, the other pastas, you're not adding as much black pepper as you are with the cacio e pepe. Right, cacio e pepe is pepper is the dominant flavor. I find with um, alagrizia, like you want that porky flavor, yeah. so you want a little bit of black pepper, but not as much. And sometimes guanciale is cured with black pepper, and some I find that to be enough sometimes. Mm-hmm. But so okay, so cacio e pepe 
is is its own thing. You take cacio e pepe and you add guanciale, which is face bacon, mm-hmm. and now you've got pasta alla gritia. What's now, next? Now instead of one arrow down, you have two arrows going like diagonally in, down in divergent like, directions. Yeah. Yes. Like what what road do you want to take? So <laughs> okay. now the roads are egg or tomato. Okay. So if you go down the egg road, mm-hmm. what you're going to do is if you're making a pasta for two, you're going to take three eggs. Mm-hmm. You're going to crack two open, and then you're going to crack a third, but only throw the yolk in there and get rid of the white. Okay. You're going to mix that up. You're going to incorporate the cheese into that mm-hmm. and, and the, the pepper. black pepper. You're going to put that to the side. Yep. Then you're going to once again render the fat, mm-hmm. drop the pasta in there. In the sh- fat. In the fat, toss the pasta around, put, the, put it on a low heat. And then add the egg. You want to get the eggs a little cooked, but you don't want like scrambled eggs. Okay, so this is my little hack when I'm making carbonara. Is I don't add the eggs to the hot pan because I'm afraid uh, it it ruins the silkiness of the sauce. What I do is I take a a giant serving bowl, like whatever I'm going to be serving the pasta in, and I put that, put a whole bunch of hot water in that. So sometimes I'll even just nuke it. No, no, not pasta water, just hot water from the sink. And I'll Mm. let it sit there so the bowl gets nice and warm. And then when I am ready to serve, I dump the water out of that serving bowl. I dump the pasta and the guanciale mixture in the bowl and then mix in the egg and cheese mixture. And the heat from the pasta. Do you do it or do you do it pretty quick? No, pretty quickly. Pretty yeah, quickly. You have to. And you then just, your hand just, motion was very slow. So No, no, sure. no. I, I dump it in and then I stir it up really quickly yeah. and serve it immediately because you don't want carbonara getting cold. It gets it's not a little gelatinous and it's not good. But I find that the, the heat from the pasta and the heat from the bowl is enough to really cook the egg enough so that you have this great, silky, rich, creamy, eggy sauce. Then what a lot of restaurants are doing now, too, is they're taking a poached egg and popping, oh, and it, on popping top, it on top. Which yeah. I, I like poached eggs. So I'm a fan of. I do, too, but I, I think it's overkill. Um, I also think it's overkill to add, like, a lot of people add truffle oil to it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think carbonara is is the perfect dish to serve in its, like, simple state. Carbonara also is incredibly New York because it's a bacon, egg, and cheese pasta. <laughs> it is. Carbonara is bacon, egg, and cheese in a bowl. Yeah. And and that's the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich is, is quintessentially New York. <laughs> and now, lastly, you have the amatriciana. So amatriciana is, it's off to the side, though. It's not below carbonara. It's on it's, the same yeah, it's on level. The same paint as, yeah. Because instead of the egg, you're just doing sauce. You're doing sauce. And I find that I, I'll use like a, um, I'll use like San Marzano tomatoes, yeah, throw them I, in there. But I also like my um, Amatriciana to be a little bit spicier than everything else. So I throw a lot of crushed red pepper. I just make whatever sauce I feel like making. Whatever what do you mean? Ty- whatever type of tomato sauce. I, like if I want it to be like a hotter sauce or however I like season the sauce, that's it. Okay. I don't like add extra black pepper. I put regular cheese. I put, sorry. I put Pecorino Romano or Parmigiano Reggiano in my sauce anyway. So all that stuff is already there for me. Well, when I'm doing it, I make, I'll make i make a tomato sauce and mm-hmm. I'll make a very garlicky and spicy tomato sauce. That's so, just how I make tomato sauce. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not just San Marzano tomatoes. Like I'll have a little pot on the side that has some fried garlic in it, um, maybe a little oregano. Mm-hmm. It's not really supposed to be in it, but I'll put that in there. Yeah, the, and then That's know, what I'm saying. I don't just take tomatoes and cheese and black pepper. I make like, Whatever sauce I want to make. You don't it. use jarred sauce, do you? No, no, never. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, I won't. There are some sauce. good jar sauces out there. Yeah, but I, I won't. I don't. Uh, this if isn't I'm a making knock against jar sauce. No, 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 not at all. But if I'm making fresh pasta, and 
let's go back for a second. Like we talked about fresh pasta in the last segment, but if you're making these dishes, oh. you have to make fresh pasta. Except like these the, are so good. The matriciana, the classic pasta for it, is the bucatini. Yes. And 99% of the time, bucatini is uh, dried pasta. It's essentially spaghetti with a hole through With a hole in the middle, little tubes of pasta. Yeah. It's like a pen cartridge. Um, but I, I, I will argue that store-bought bucatini is inferior to a homemade other type of noodle yeah. Or um, amatriciana. Yeah, like, a fresh spaghetti is fine. Yeah. But it's just like the- Or even parmadella. If you're just going to do what I said earlier, you don't have a pasta machine, you just want to cut strips, you'll get a better- I mean, it's not going to hold the sauce as well, but it'll be better. It'll taste better. It'll The sauce will cling to the noodle. My favorite pasta for the carbonara is mafalda. Mafalda? Mafalda is essentially if parmadella had a baby with lasagna. So it's like- <laughs> it's... Strips of lasagna. I want to go to that christening. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> and then- um. Top all of them with uh, shaved Parmigiano-Reggiano or Pecorino. Romano. Yeah, I think that's that's also something that in our house we call those cheeses Italian salt yeah. because that we substitute, the, you know, like a Pecorino Romano, we substitute that for salt all the time. So be careful when you're making these dishes not to add too much salt. You can always add more. You oh, can always add more. Sorry, no, you don't add salt to any of them. No, There's not a single dish that you add actual salt to. Sometimes, I mean... When you're boiling pasta, you want the, the water to be salted. Yeah. And I always caution myself to not put too much salt in the water. But I don't ever add salt to any pasta dish that I'm going to be adding cheese to because the cheese, the Roman cheeses especially, are very, very salty. So, mm-hmm. Mike, that's awesome. I think for um, on, the, on the blog, you're going to have to draw out. Even if it's on a napkin, you got to draw out this yeah. chart. Done. We're gonna, we'll scan I'll, it in. I'll also That'll scan the um, the maps of Italy I'm drawing out so people can <laughs> see what I'm doing. Cool. Well, there you go. There's your four classic Roman sauces. We are going to be back in a minute. We're going to talk about Italian wines Herrings and the different the regions. And yeah, I mean, we're just going to talk about Roman wines, right? There's well, not many. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. This is the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. We will be back in a minute. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. At Not A Foodie Show on Instagram. At Not A Foodie Show on Twitter. We are talking all things pasta today. We were talking about making fresh pasta. We are talking about the Roman sauces, the classic Roman sauces. And we're talking about Mike's new venture. Uh, Mike is working on opening up a secret project. It's a... It's uh, not that it's secret. It's not secret. He just can't talk about it on the radio. But it's a... And, and it's an Italian restaurant. And actually... 
the uh, the PR campaign should like explode any day now. So like, <laughs> so, so we're being coy, but you can find out exactly what it is, and you can hit him up for reservations at some point at Mike Moranti on Instagram. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that Mike has been doing over the past month, month and a half, is really studying Italian wines um, for this for this new venture. So. Being that we're talking about fresh pasta, we're talking about the Roman sauces, we thought that a great way to sort of end this these three segments is for Mike to talk about Italian wines and what pairs well with the, with the four. four Roman sauces that we talked about in the last segment. So yeah. if you're listening to this not and you haven't listened to the Roman sauces segment yet, go back and listen to that. You know, if you're listening to this as a podcast, if you listen to it on the radio show, hopefully you heard it. Otherwise, you have to wait and then listen to yes. this podcast too. <laughs> so let's talk about cacio e pepe. Yeah. Cacio e pepe was the first of the Roman sauces we talked about. What what do you think is a good wine that pairs with cacio e pepe that is sort of uh, something that we can, that the average person can get? Yeah. So I'm not going to name any uh, producers. Okay. Just because the, if I name a producer and you can't find it, but you can find the grape, you're still just going to go and buy that grape. Okay. If producers want to uh, support me, then I'll support <laughs> yes. them as well. Yes. Um, so I would pair that with a pecorino. A pecorino. I see. I only know pecorino as a cheese, mm-hmm. but what is pecorino? So, what type of cheese is pecorino? It's a hard Roman cheese. No, no, no. What animals are from? Oh, sheep. Yeah, yeah. So, it the uh, the sheep eat this grape. Oh, so they called it pecorino. I had no idea. I didn't. Yeah, I had no clue. Yeah. So, there's a pecorino grape. Yep. And they're and. Is that just the like the name of the wine? Is like a yeah, pecorino, pecorino, just a pecorino mm-hmm. wine? Yeah, and it's from Emilia uh, Romana. Is it from? I, I actually, I should have. Oh, you fail. Yeah, you done. fail. Zero restaurant is gonna fail. You're done. You don't if know I can anything pair about things, wine. <laughs> whatever. Um, so it's a uh, lighter, really nice acidity. Um, it, and it just it kills it with cacio e pepe. That's usually my go-to. Why does it kill with cacio e pepe? What like what is because so the cacio e pepe isn't it's not too heavy, right? But it is like you you need it's so rich, yes, that you need something that can cut that cut through that richness and where you where you will still be able to appreciate the cacio e pepe mm-hmm. and appreciate the wine. Okay, so I think the pecorino is a really good pick. So pecorino, and if you go to the the Not a Foodie blog, it's you know uh, radiorampa.nyc slash Not a Foodie. Um, we're going to put some picks up there for wines and Michael have his flow chart of Italian pastas and the regions and everything like that up there. So Pecorino for Cacio Mm -hmm. e Pepe. What about for Pasta alla Grizia? Prosecco. Prosecco. That's interesting. Um, so it's super fatty. Yes. And fat and grease loves bubbles. I agree with that, man. I like, there is nothing better then, and this is a weird pairing, champagne and fried chicken. It's not weird. That's everyone's pairing. Is it? Uh, yeah. It's... Champagne and fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Any fried food with champagne, that's the way to go. You, you want those light bubbles to go with it. Fried appetizers and champagne. Cha- champagne is much better than Prosecco. Yes. Yes. But, but if we're staying Italian. And staying under $20. Yeah. Okay. So a, a nice Prosecco, uh, clean, crisp Prosecco, mm-hmm. nothing too sweet, right? Yeah. It's just a brute. Okay. Yeah. Great. So Prosecco goes with pasta alla Grecia. Mm-hmm. Carbonara. Carbonara is that's a that's a big one. Carbonara is heavy duty. Gavi. Gavi. Oh Gavi. wow. So little, still nice acid, but a little bit bigger body. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more green apple. Yeah. Really just killer white wine. Also another one you can find. Italian whites are all really good because they don't really get that expensive. 
They don't. Italian Chardonnays can get expensive because it's Chardonnay, mm-hmm. but pretty much you can get really killer Italian. So any any sort of white range. wine that that's from the Gavi grape, mm-hmm. G A V I, right? Gavi di Gavi, yeah. Gavi di Gavi. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be the name of my next dog, Gavi di Gavi, <laughs> or your mixtape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but you you like that because it's it's. A, a little bit lighter? A little bit bigger. It's bigger. Because okay. the it eggs up richer. To the eggs. Yeah. It's somehow even richer than a cacio pepe, you know, and the bacon and everything else. Right. Now, because the cacio pepe, you're just cheese. So does that mean pepe. that um, when I go to my local bodega and order a bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll, I should order a gavi to gavi? I'd say so, yeah. 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 Okay, good. Yeah, so good bodegas in New York City have to start selling gavi. You wine. probably get the splits. No one makes a Gavi 187. (laughs) Nobody in the world makes a split of Gavi to Gavi. Does Arizona iced tea have a Gavi (laughs) flavor? Because, you know, that's usually what I get with my bacon, egg, and cheese for 99 cents. I do not. I have not since college had an Arizona iced tea, I don't think. I get the um, the Arnold Palmers sometimes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's because of a Does that pair with carbonara? Probably. Uh, All that salt? Yeah. I, I guess it's pretty decent. All right, so you got Cacio e Pepe, Pasala Grittia, Carbonara, and the next one is... Amatriciana. Yes, Amatriciana. So there's only one uh, red wine from the Lazio region, which is where Rome is. Mm-hmm. And so, where Amatriciana is yeah. from. It's one of the Roman sauces. So uh, Cesanese. I don't know what that is. I'm it, not good on Italian It's wines. also not... It's, it's not a little bit more known. obscure. Yeah, okay. I, I mainly just did this one because I wanted to get one Roman wine in. Mm-hmm. Um, medium, medium plus body, medium tannins. It, you know, it's just a good Italian red wine that can you can do with the sauce. And whenever you start reading about Italian wine, there's this um, phrase. It, it's really, you don't really see it reading about German wine or French wine or Spanish wine. So what goes, what grows together goes together. Oh, yeah. So, like, these grapes are growing in the same place that the tomatoes are growing that you're eating, you know? So that, that type of uh, synergy is really beautiful. How do you, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you here. How do you spell it? C-E-S, oh, sorry. C-E-S-A-N-E-S-E? Chesanese. Chesanese. Yeah. Wow, I, and if you just look for, you go to your local liquor store and ask for an Italian wine. You have to go, go to like Italian. a wine shop, yeah. not a liquor store. Um, if you go to like a decent wine shop, they might have it. Okay, that cool. was this one was more because I wanted to get some Roman stuff. <laughs> cool, good. Well, I I think um, I think that covers it. I think that we we've got our four wines. You want to go through them one more time? So Cacio e Pepe. What are we doing? Pecorino. Pasta alla Prosecco. Carbonara. Gavi di Gavi. Gavi di Gavi. Say it again. Gavi di Gavi. Gavi di Gavi with a feeling. Gavi di Gavi. <laughs> it's a me, Mario. <laughs> and Amatriziana. Cesanese. Cesanese. That's good. <laughs> what do you like more, Barolo or Brunello? Oh, I don't know. Probably Brunello. I like Brunello more. Yeah. I like, you know, the killer bees. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I'm, yeah, no. Don Batanzas, Manuel, Manuelos. Are you just kidding? Now he's the, just, now the he's Yankees just showing had off. three prospects and they were called the Killer Bees. And only Stop. one of them panned out and it was Don Batanzas. <laughs> but we had Bonds and Bonilla on that. <laughs> we're still paying Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> July 1st. Yeah. You get Bobby, my text. Bobby Bo Day. I do. I do. 
<laughs> All right. Well, thanks for thanks for listening to our our uh, self indulgent <laughs> segment on Italian wine and baseball. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. We've got a really great guest coming up. Her name is Ruthie Kirwan. She uh, runs Percolate Kitchen. It's a blog, but she's also got a book. Uh, that's out right now that I believe is like number one in one of the categories on Amazon. It's the Healthy Sheet Pan Cookbook. It's about making one pan, like really delicious one pan meals for busy cooks. So we'll be back in a minute with Ruthie. You are listening to the Not A Foodie Radio Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant-loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. We are back with the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM, Radio Rampa from Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It's Mike, it's Tom, and we have a special guest with us today. We've got Ruthie Kirwin. Kirwin? Hi, Kirwin, yep. Kirwin, we, Mike and I have never pronounced names right. That's it's, okay. It's so bad. So, <laughs> Ruthie, we are so excited to have Ruthie with us. We've been talking um, back and forth for a while, and... This is one of those guests where I'm extremely excited about. I'm extremely excited for Mike to talk to Ruthie. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so Ruthie, uh, for those of you that don't know, Ruthie is the founder of uh, Percolate Kitchen, which is a food blog, cooking blog. Um, but more importantly, Ruthie's got a new book out. And it's it your is, first cookbook? It is my first it's cookbook. It's your first cookbook? Your inaugural. My, my first big girl cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> the book is called Healthy Sheet Pan Cookbook. The Healthy Sheet Pan Cookbook, Satisfying One Pan Meals for Busy Cooks. So this is like the perfect weeknight sort of cooking, uh, weeknight healthy meal, small kitchen. Small help- kitchen. <laughs> yes. Well, I was going to say helping, I was going to say it's going to help out, you know, parents out there who are busy who have to do these like quick, you know, one pan meals. But Mike is also a, a one pan meal sort of guy because he's got a small uh, apartment in Manhattan. You could <laughs> take the same concept of the book and just make it for it people. One hundred percent. Oh yeah. my gosh! For, yes, totally. for millennials. Is yes. the Millennial, right. yeah. millennial people cooking. with no time and people with no counter space. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Ruthie, really, tell us about tell us about first of all, Percolate Kitchen and how the cookbook came about. I know you you've got kids in New York. You yep. live in New York. And yeah. So I have a yeah I have a two and a five year old a two and a half year old and a five year old and uh, my husband owns a bar in the city so our weeknights are kind of bananas because it's always just me and the kids like he's at work <laughs> yep and I stumbled upon sheet pan cooking when my daughter was first born and he was working way more than he even is now and I needed something that I could put in the oven with one hand while I was also like bouncing a cow baby <laughs> on my shoulder <laughs> because I was going insane eating takeout all the time and. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I found sheet pan cooking on Pinterest because I'm a chick and found sheet pan and it was amazing. It was like I have a professional background in cooking. I have a degree in culinary arts and I've been a professional chef. But the whole concept of cooking your, literally your entire meal 
vegetables, starch, protein, the, all the sauce and everything on one sheet pan. And w- in one shot. In one shot. You put the whole thing in the hot oven, you pull it back out, and dinner's the, and then right, So dinner. is that the whole thing? Like, you, you do this it. in one shot. Like, it's one not like, okay, pan. I'm yeah. going to add tomatoes next, and then I'm going to add. This is like. Occasionally, mm-hmm. yes. There, is, there are a few recipes, like maybe two in the book, where you pull it out halfway through, you add something else, and you put it back in, but not very often. And then most of the time, if you wanted to make like a rice on the side, you could. But for the most yeah. part, the entire meal is there. And you can't do rice in an oven anyway. Yeah, so. you can. Yeah, there's a recipe in the book. I was just going to tell you, Mike. There's a book that I have for you. I have a uh, sheet pan baked. It's a riff on paella. And yeah, the whole thing, dry rice, liquid, chicken, vegetables, seasonings, everything gets on the pan. Wrapped up super tight. In a little tight. shallow pan? In a regular old, yep, yeah, in a flat, in a eight and a half by 13 inch sheet pan with a one inch lip is what I recommend always. Well, I mean, paella, you want that crispy rice on the bottom anyway. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah. Right? And called? it all cooks. Oh, the Socrat. So, yeah. Socrat. Right? Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I just grill Tom on random things. <laughs> <laughs> 90% of the time like, I get the answer right. That's good. That's a pretty good track record. <laughs> but yeah, and then it, when you're done, you have paella. It's it's excellent. It's good. So are are most of the recipes in this book things that you, so you've been a professional chef. Yes. Are these um dishes that you've had, you know, sort of in your arsenal that you just converted to sheet pan books or are these recipes that you just went out and said, "Look, I'm I'm going to create these from scratch." How how did you come about with most of these recipes? For the most part, most of the recipes are yeah, thinking about an entire meal from start to finish what you would serve on the side and then determining um the 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 thing with sheet pan meals is that they follow a slight formula because they can't just throw everything on a sheet pan and hope for the best. They the vegetables have to be cut in the specific size that they're going to cook at the same time mm-hmm. as the chicken. And in the book we go through a bunch of those different formulas and what you can rem- think of while you're making your own sheet pan meals like with stuff you find in your fridge or your cupboard. So, um, yeah, just thinking about like thinking about the whole meal helps create that entire recipe. Wow, that's great. And so, and Percolate Kitchen is your your food blog, but you mm-hmm. also do um, cooking classes. Is I that do. Correct? Yep, I live in Woodside, and I teach. I work at a private school in Sunnyside, and I teach the kids during the day, and then I teach their moms and their dads at night. Oh my god, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah. That's so great. We actually had someone on our show last week who. Um, is it uh, was a is a big food advocate and talking about her name is Andrea Strong and she's talking about you know just food education with kids which and, is huge yeah. and, and and I think that you know getting the parents involved is just such an integral integ- integral part of that you need 100%. to have the kids involved so that there's there's this shared language at home there's yeah. you know where you can talk about the the healthiness of the meal. and because I think kids can surprise you with how adept they can be in the kitchen you know I've got five year olds handling knives. So, you know, once you once you kind of get over the learning curve and you and you teach them how to properly do it and you've got the adequate supervision, they can surprise you, which is pretty cool. <laughs> do your kids help with these meals or are they a little too young? If I'm in the right mood. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how quickly kids, you want to get it on yeah, the table. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> if you've cooked for the kids in the kitchen, you know, yeah, you got to be in the right frame of mind. <laughs> but yeah. So where do you, the classes that you teach are in mostly in Queens or in all Sunnyside. in, in Sunnyside? Yeah, I run out of the kitchen from the school where I teach, yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's great. Um, can, so people can find out that information if yep, you go to... kitchen.com forward slash events. And I ever, all the classes oh. that I have regu- scheduled are, are right up there. And I usually run them through Eventbrite, so you can find me on Eventbrite as well. Oh, wow. I'm, Mike, I think my, I right. might sign you up as a, as a gift. I can cook. I know you can I, cook. I, don't, I can teach. I've taught cooking classes. <laughs> are, are the cooking classes more towards beginner cooks? Or are, they different, are they different every time? What do you I don't mean? really teach a lot of beginner, um, a real true beginner techniques. Mm-hmm. It is somebody, I, I do ask that you know your way around like a knife and how to turn on a stove and an oven and 
It's not like a that. home ec class. It's not a home ec class. No, I'm. <laughs> it's more teaching um, recipes, and then not only teaching recipes, but how they can. I do a lot of teach about a lot of the meal planning. My freezer meals class is probably one of my most popular. We make five meals in the course of the. Everybody takes home five meals, so we can make up to like fifty or sixty meals that night, and then everyone takes home five prepped meals to make during the week. Oh wow, that's that's great. So yeah, it's a lot more strategy on top of the recipes. It's not just a strict cooking class. Well, and as it's someone, a lifestyle. Class. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Well, yeah. and it's a lifestyle. Like I said, it's if you if you live in Manhattan and you have a small apartment like Mike does, or uh-huh. if you have a busy life with two working, you know, uh, partners at home and kids. Like it's the same sort of thing. You want to get a good, quick meal on the table, and its strategy is so yes. important. It's not just what you feel like eating, especially of which I learned the hard way once kids came along. Yeah, my <laughs> favorite thing is um, not having kids. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I I don't really keep food in my fridge because I don't like to. I don't I'm not home a lot to cook and plan mm-hmm. things out, so I don't like to waste food. So I like decide what I'm going to eat. And then I walk to the grocery store, and then yes. I buy the things. That was and then my I life go home. for a really long time. Like I understand that deeply. <laughs> so it was a shock to the system when kids came along, and I was like, "Oh, you have to like plan for stuff." <laughs> and I pretty much had to teach myself. <laughs> I, I've said this before to Mike. What's the best part of having kids? Do you remember? Did I remember? Do you remember what I did said? Did he say not? You've told kids? me things no. off camera, <laughs> off the air, so I don't want to say the wrong. The best thing, thing about having oh, yeah, kids snacks. Is, is that you always have a constant supply oh, of macaroni yeah, and cheese and snacks. Got, yes, and, goldfish like, crackers. Exactly. Yes. They're always I've just never had there. that stuff before, kids. That's true. <laughs> well, Ruthie, we're we're gonna take a quick break, but uh, I can't wait for you to join us for um, the next segment when we come back. I want you to uh, teach Mike like the most. I have easy, a lot of questions. Gourmet meal that you can do in a sheet pan. <laughs> in his tiny little apartment. <laughs> so this is the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rava, 620 AM. We're talking with Ruthie Kirwin, and we will be, we, we, we will be back in a minute. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we're back. Thanks for tuning in to the Not A Foodie radio show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. It's Mike. Hey, and it's Tom. And joining us is Ruthie Kerwin. Mm-hmm. So Ruthie wrote this incredible cookbook called The Healthy Sheet Pan, Satisfying One, Man- One Pan Meals for Busy Cooks. Besides for busy cooks, it's also really great for people with small kitchens. Totally. Because the whole idea is you can put an entire meal on one. What are the dimensions? I recommend eight and a half by 13. Regular sheet pan. Yeah. Cookie sheets. Full, full yeah. size sheet pan. Yeah. <laughs> cookie sheets Although, with a lip, right? Can I interject? I always say don't get like a dollar store cookie sheet because that's not worth going to be worth your time if you're making dinner on it. So why? It's just uh, too thin. It's un- Yeah, it's un- too thin yeah. and a warp. And I, I steal this idea from I steal this quote kind of from Tony Bourdain where it's not worth your time to have if you can't cause someone serious bodily harm if you hit it <laughs> with the head with it. So make sure that your sheet pan like would hurt someone. So <laughs> now I need a new sheet pan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's <laughs> so, it. So, you, so go buy the book, the cookbook. Yeah. Go buy a new sheet pan. A decent sheet slash pan. weapon. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Shield. <laughs> slash Shield. bludgeoning <laughs> instrument. <laughs> 
So I, I really do love to cook, though, and I always complain to Tom and all of our listeners about how small my kitchen is. Um, so I'm really excited for your book and to use the recipes. What's something that – what's the first thing you would recommend to me? Like as someone that really likes to cook and can throw down in the kitchen and – then the that paella that we talked that about paella? earlier is great. Um, so like I, it, it starts with dry rice and liquid and chicken and seasonings and vegetables, and then the whole pan gets wrapped in tightly in tin foil and put in the oven. And when it comes out, you got paella. It's 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 cool. I mean, it's a baked paella. Obviously, it's not authentic, right, but right. yeah. It's but, and you close. get like the crispy rice on the bottom. Yep. You and get the creamy the, rice on the, the top. And the creamy rice on the top, and the chickens cook through, and that season, the, the all the flavorings season together. It's it's good. So wow. that that's also like an incredible not a foodie uh, recipe because the whole idea <laughs> of what we do is like not really being, great, yeah. but not precious. Yeah, or yeah. insane. Tom actually has a giant <laughs> paella pan. I do. I've got a three foot yeah. paella pan that I cook over a campfire. Every that's so impressive. Have a gigantic that's super impressive. paella party but in nobody, my backyard. But like, I would never do that. Because where would you store it? The, Right. <laughs> in my, that's in my bed. That's the size it, of my bed. Yeah, right. three, three feet. Yeah. It's stored in my house, yeah, exactly. my garage. <laughs> so, but one of the things that you were talking about in this book that I thought was really interesting because it's usually a low and slow sort of thing in a, in a crock pot or whatever, but you're talking about short ribs as mm-hmm. a short rib recipe. Yeah. There's in a the book. Cool, there's a really cool short rib recipe in there where the short ribs are um, kind of folded up into a foil, almost like a foil wrap and then you open up the top of that wrap and pour the liquid in so that they steam within this foil basket almost wow. on the pan while the vegetables and potatoes and everything are cooking on the other side. So you're oh, steaming wow. while you're baking. Yes. So you've got now so you're now you're getting fancy. <laughs> yeah. You got one pan but you've got different one compartments. Pan, but exactly, but different cooking styles happening at the same time. Wow. So and, and that's why you need this cookbook. Yeah, cuz I would never have thought of that. That's a that is like some Alton Brown level <laughs> <laughs> kitchen oh hacks. Yeah, that's an actual old kitchen hack. Brown, yeah, yes. That's a kitchen that, hack. Yeah, all that wow. high school watching of Alton Brown's original <laughs> Good Eats. Yes, no, yeah. no. We, we love Good Eats. We are fans of Good Eats. Me too. So when when you're doing that, you're actually you're braising the short ribs, right? Pretty much, you're, yeah. You're braising yeah. them in liquid, but you're roasting everything and else around And you're still them. using just one pan, yeah. Yeah, but With lots very of little foil. cleanup. <laughs> With lots of foil. I, yeah, that is, yeah. Are there any desserts in there? Nope. It's just, uh, it's 10 breakfasts and 50 dinners. The breakfasts are... Good though. Oh yeah, there's breakfast like large format br- breakfasts. And yeah, I mean that. there's a there's a I do an Irish breakfast in there where you heat the pan up beforehand so that the, uh, you can then fry the eggs on it. Um, wow, that's another kind of like half in the pan, half in the oven, and then take it back out and then put it back in kind of uh-huh. recipe. There's a breakfast pizza. There's yeah, there's a granola, the mango coconut granola in there is yeah. I I've done a couple. Um, book signings and brought that mango coconut granola and everyone goes bananas for it. It's it's fabulous. Wow. And it's mango really coconut easy. granola. I'm so now, now I'm I looking for the it. breakfast pizza. That's very much <laughs> up my yeah. You said pizza in Mike's ears. <laughs> <laughs> What do you oh, think, it's Mike? So easy. Can you yeah, handle that, Mike? Easy. Why don't you Why don't you walk us through how you're going to handle that? What do you tonight? You're tonight. You're going to get. I'm not making all the breakfast pizza for dinner. No, but you're going to get all the ingredients, and tomorrow morning you're going to make yourself a breakfast pizza. No, I'm going to do it when I finally have a day off, and I'm not going to do it for breakfast. I'm going to wake up at like ten. Oh, and like then breakfast like, for dinner? No, God, the life of a single like, man. I like yeah. one. No, I wake up at ten. That's like a pipe dream. <laughs> yeah. I I, you texted me the other day at like five thirty in the morning. <laughs> I texted you back at like. 6.30 this morning. Sometimes I text what? Tom at 2 a.m. But you have <laughs> I to go he's to not texting yet. me back. <laughs> That's different. If I text at 3 a.m. it's because I'm like a weirdo who's gotten up that time. Yeah. <laughs> so 
But <laughs> so the book is now on Amazon, right? Yep, it's, it's on Amazon. It's It'll be on for Amazon. sale the, and Astoria Bookshop as well. Astoria Bookshop. Mm-hmm. Any other bookshops uh, locally around here? No, not at not this right moment. Yet? Hopefully soon. Okay. <laughs> so, the Healthy Sheep Pan Cookbook, satisfying one pan meals for busy cooks. It's um, available on Amazon, and it's it's like up there. I've seen it on the you know. There's different uh, categories, and I've seen it number one in a couple of categories. In a couple like, different categories. Like I think yeah. casserole cookbooks. It's up there. Yeah, which is, of the know, like 280 million books on Amazon, it was ranked at like 4,000 on its debut day. So wow. pretty, pretty good odds. Yeah, That's, I mean, it's definitely it's something. So it's, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. definitely something of this age, right? Like you totally. want it, it. It's we all lead busy lives right now. Most households have you know parents, two parents that are working, and there's not a lot of time to prepare meals like this. So and it's this a really is, accessible form hit on of something. cooking too. Yeah. Totally, you don't need to buy any funky gadgets except for like a, a heavy, a heavy sheet, a heavy sheet <laughs> but that's easy to <laughs> which get. you can get on Amazon when exactly. you order the cookbook. Exactly. Hopefully enough people do that so when they buy the cookbook, it'll say people also buy this. I think it is already, yeah. I was just going to say business idea is that you sell this as a package with a nice, like, branded sheet pan. Oh, branded sheet pan. Yeah, we'll we'll just call it, like, we'll just stamp Ruthie on it. Done. And and sell it it with the sheet pan book. The official Perkley Kitchen sheet pan. cut out of your face on the bottom (laughs) of the sheet (laughs) pan. That's what it is. So whatever you cook, it gets the browning (laughs) of the caramelization (laughs) of just my face with a thumbs up. Oh, it's genius. I'm going to go on Shark Tank. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, Ruthie, so the book is available on Amazon, and you are at percolatekitchen.com. Yep. And what's your what's your Instagram? Give a shout out. Percolate Kitchen. Just percolate, percolate Kitchen. kitchen. Everything's Percolate Kitchen. <laughs> All right, cool. So if you, uh, you want to reach Ruthie, you've got the information. Go out and buy this book, The Healthy Sheet Pan Cookbook, Satisfying One Pan Meals for Busy Cooks. Ruthie, thank you for joining thank you, us. Guys. This has this been is so much fun. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad. This is the Not a Foodie Show. Mike, what's our what's our DM? How do you get in so, touch with us? At Not a Foodie Show on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. At Mike Moranti on Instagram and Twitter. At Timiale on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> DM us. Um, Mike gives all the shout outs for I us. See yes. That. Yeah. We we He's didn't down. we didn't do um uh Q&A this week because we did all that Roman pasta stuff. But yes. please, if you have any questions about the pastas, even send us more questions. <laughs> if we you love have questions for Ruthie, we'll get them you to can her. Go at Percolate yep. Kitchen or you send them to us and I'll, you know, walk them down <laughs> Queens Boulevard to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Not A Foodie Radio Show on Radio Rafa 620 AM. We will be back in a minute. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. And we are back. With the Not A Foodie Radio Show on Radio Rampa, 6.20 a.m. from beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn. That is where we are. (laughs) I'm Tom. It's Mike. And that's Mike. And Mike, it's about that time of the show. Let's set the mood. It's late Saturday afternoon. You just got finished recording a long day of radio show. What are you drinking tonight? I think my cocktail is something that you're going to like more than whatever your cocktail is. Oh, okay. Well, mine's very simple. So, okay, go ahead. What is it? So it's um, it's essentially a, it's a very, very Italian espresso martini. Uh, an so, espresso martini? No, let, let me okay, finish. Okay, because you lost me there. Okay. Like, not, shot, this is not 1997. It's a shot of espresso. Okay. A shot of Di Sirono. Ooh, 
Shot of grappa. Wow. You do it in a, um, a Irish coffee cup. Uh-huh. And then you just put a little uh, layer of cream. What, what's it called? Grappino. A grappino? Mm-hmm. I, I see that you're sticking with the Italian theme from earlier. Yeah. Wow. Told so, you. Wait, yeah. so amaretto, <laughs> uh, di Serrano. Yep. Um, espresso and grappa. Mm -hmm. And a li little cream on top. If you want. I feel like you don't even need that. Oh, my. So it's a really Italian-style coffee, like an alcoholic coffee beverage. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. You know what I think would be good with that? If you, um, and this is going back to 1997, you put the grappa in and then you light it on fire and serve it that way. Well, of course. You have to do it that way, right? It's a, it's, it's a flaming lake. <laughs> I, I'm big on fire cocktails. Are you? Yeah. I went to this place called Roxy up, uh, uptown, R-O-K-C, and they're really big on cocktails. And they do um, a nightcap, and they only do it like after 10 p.m., uh-huh. And it's an absinthe cocktail, and they light it on fire in, like, a little cute teacup. Oh, my God. Yeah, their whole thing is, like, really absurd uh, vessels that you drink Have you of. ever been to um, Barcelona Bar? No. Some of my friends own Barcelona Bar. Um, it's in the on the west side. I'm pretty sure it's still there. Um, so it, free shout-out, free publicity for Barcelona Bar. I'm going to be hitting you guys up for advertising later. But they do um, a number of different shots like that's their thing is that it's a shots bar. And I would say that a good 15% It's still open. It's still there? Yeah. 15% of the drinks on the menu are um flaming drinks where they just set things on fire. One of them is a uh, the Harry Potter shot where they've got um this magic wand that's filled with magic powder which is actually Cocaine. cinnamon, cinnamon. <laughs> and they light your shot on fire and then they give you the magic wand and you Flick the magic wand at the drink, and the cinnamon catches the the fire and just <laughs> Makes sparks embers. all yeah. over the place. And then, you know, they've got drinks where they set the whole bar on fire. And I, I'm surprised. That's why when you said it was still there, I'm like, really? The FDNY hasn't uh, shut that place down yet? I was looking for a place to go for my birthday. There you go. Yeah. Barcelona bar. <laughs> well, my cocktail is not as um, ornate as yours. My cocktail is, we've been talking about Italian food. Um... I usually, when I'm having Italian food during the summertime, we'll have a Negroni, classic Italian cocktail. But, What's in a Negroni? Uh, well, a Negroni is gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. What are the specs? Oh, come on. Equal parts, one, one, one. Is it? Yeah. I, I always have a little bit more gin than I so do. So you're making them wrong. <laughs> Not according to a lot of recipes. No, it's equal parts. Equal parts? Yeah. No, I don't do it that way. Well, I, I'm not the bartender of my family. My wife is the bartender of the family. You know this. But um, but what's my rule about drinking gin in anything but a martini before Memorial Day? You don't do it. You don't, I, I don't do it. I stick to brown liquors during the wintertime. And I am going to, therefore, change my drink from a Negroni to a Boulevardier. And a Boulevardier is pretty much the same thing as a Negroni, except you're using bourbon instead of gin. Whenever I order a Boulevardier and mm -hmm. they don't know what it is, I'm like, hey, I have a Boulevardier. They're like, uh, no. I'm like... It's a bourbon Negroni. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, it's the same conversation I have all the time. I order a Boulevardier, and you sound so pompous, but it's just like, you just make me a Negroni. Everybody knows Negronis now. No one used to know Negronis, but every, Negronis are very popular. Did you know that the Boulevardier has been around for a really long time? It's, I, that's also like a New Orleans cocktail, I think. The Boulevardier? Uh -huh, I, I think, think it's so. Italian, actually. It sounds French. It does sound French, but I know that the... And bourbon, bourbon, like, bourbon Street, oh, New Orleans, I, French. <laughs> well, it's I know that the Negroni is um, was 
in the late teens, I believe it was invented in, in Italy. Um, but the Boulevardier is only a few years older than that, maybe, you know, eight or nine years older than that. Well, it had to come, the Negroni had to come to the States first <laughs> with all this stuff, and then they just switched it out. Really? All right. Well, I don't know. We're going to have to look up the, um, the history of that. Um, so anyway, those are, those are our two cocktails. Are you going to drink any of the Italian wines that you? So the liquor store around the corner from my girlfriend's had a 30% off case of wine. Okay. It's mix and match. So we um we went and we crushed it. We got Amarone and we got Barolo and we got Brun- Barbaresco and Brunello and uh no I, I told no, you you could drone on about the yeah, Italian wines. No Bill de Montepulciano, which is actually Sangiovese and what's not Montepulciano. The, uh, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second and say what's that what's the thing where people listen to things in ASMR? ASMR. ASMR. I think you should just do ASMR. Just name I'm Italian just grapes. naming Italian grapes. I'll hop Agarino. into the studio and just do it. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll re- yeah. I think that's a, that's a complete podcast on itself. Or at least as a separate podcast, yeah. not a foodie AS- ASMR number one. Yes, it's, uh, just a, it's just an hour of you naming gra- grapes in Italy, and I'm just going to go to sleep to it tonight. <laughs> so anyway, are you going to have any Italian wine tonight? Um, yeah, with dinner. I, I really want to pop some of these open. I'm, like, itching too. Uh, because, but they're really good, and they... what. They're so good where I need to, like, plan the food around what I'm going to drink. Uh, yes, I understand that. I've got a couple bottles. I've got, we've Wait, got a bottle of Amarone that's just sitting out and, like, waiting and for that. And that's not the way you should do this. But when you have all this wine already, it happens. Yeah. So what, do you have a planned meal tonight or do you have any idea? No. no? Uh, there's going to be texting and seeing what looks good and <laughs> we'll make a game time decision. It, I'm going to open one of the, the big reds, though, so it'll be a... A beef dish or a pork dish or something. So when you have your dinners, and I know we're going a little bit long on this, you know, the what are you drinking tonight, but I'm genuinely interested. Like, my ritual is usually I'll have a cocktail while I'm cooking, and then we'll crack a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm in the mood for it, if we're still standing and not exhausted, then maybe we'll have an Amari or something like that after. I'll have a glass of wine while I cook and a glass of wine with dinner. You don't have a cocktail beforehand usually? No. No. I don't have the room, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the room for what? Anything. <laughs> to drink a cocktail? <laughs> like, you could. <laughs> I don't understand. You just talked about how you have cases of wine at your house, but you don't have a room to pour yourself a Boulevardier? <laughs> now, now I know that you're just using this as an excuse that you pull out of nowhere. Mike, why were you late to record? <laughs> I don't, Tom, have, the I don't room, have the room, Tom. Mike, did you get those blog posts up yet? I don't have the room, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I don't know. I just like to drink wine and cook. That's it. But yeah, <laughs> there's no. <laughs> do you drink? Do you have any amaro at home or amari? No, no. Um, I don't really keep a lot of liquor in the house because you don't have the room. Yeah, I, I just don't really drink at home too. Yeah, I, um, I'm the opposite. So. You know, I do have liquor and I do drink at home. All, but I also feel like it would be opening I also have up kids, so it would I be opening up a can of worms for me. Like if I bought like one Amaro, that whenever I go to like a liquor store that has like a good Amaro selection, I'm like, uh, like I can't because then I'm gonna want this one and this one and this one too. And then instead of like thirty dollars of Amaro, now I spent like two hundred dollars. And um, like, yeah, I, Amaro can be a dangerous little habit because you start. I mean, it's usually fairly inexpensive, but you could find some bottles that are. Um, that are hard to find, that are a little expensive, and you need the room for them, right? Like, you just need to have them 
you know, out and about, and, and that's it. But uh, I'm glad that we talked about this because usually when I'm having Italian food, that's my, that's my sort of path. I have a cocktail, I have some wine with dinner, and then I'll have an Amaro after dinner. But Sometimes I'll do, if I go to like a real like red sauce joint, some uh, espresso and Sambuca. <laughs> yeah, I do that. On brand. I do that uh, when I'm, if I'm really tired before I start cooking, <laughs> I'll have an espresso with a buca in it. <laughs> well, anyway, I think it's about that time in the show for us to, uh, to start wrapping things up. So this has been a great show. I'm really happy that uh, we had Ruthie on. At the Not A Foodie Show on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, reach Mike out Maranti, to us. At And we really need those DMs. So slide into them. At Not A Foodie Show. That is it. We will see you next week.